Welcome to Inspired by Faith, the program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. This is a show to help you be inspired by our Catholic faith, live out the gospel message, and deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm Michelle Fianley, and I'm joined each program with my dear friend, Emily Jaminette. We hope this show provides an uplifting 30 minutes to help refresh your soul and strengthen your faith. It was born out of our friendship, and we hope it encourages you to deepen and develop spiritual friendships with your sisters in Christ. Well, hello, Emily. Hello, Michelle. This is always such a privilege to be in studio here in Columbus, Ohio at St. Gabriel Radio. Yeah, what a great, you know, it's a little bit wet and rainy today, but uh, the sun is shining in, in here, right? It's bright and beautiful and we are looking forward to an important topic today, a little challenging topic, I think, but something we haven't covered before. We're going to be talking about hope and peace during times of grief and how redemptive suffering provides a path of hope. And hope is something we certainly need as Catholics, isn't it? It is. And it's something which, you know, grief is something that can sneak up on you. It might take you by surprise. It might be something that you're anticipating and you still don't want it when it happens, right? When you're suffering. So I... I'm very excited about this podcast, but yet knowing that I, we have tissues here in studio. <laughs> you know, I love though this, this topic of hope though, because as I was driving actually just, just now I was running an errand and there's a great, um, billboard from the Catholic Men's Conference that said, Jesus is our hope. I was like, wow, that, that's awesome. And that's what we need. That, that hope of, you know, of Jesus is what, brings us peace in in times of trial. And, you know, we read in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, hope is the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life is our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help and the grace of the Holy Spirit. Well, and it really ties in great Isaiah 41.10. It says, do not fear, I am with you. Do not be anxious. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. So, I mean, what a beautiful combination between scripture and the catechism reinforcing that need for hope, especially when difficult times hit. And I love when God really, um, you know, kind of confirms the, the scripture we pick for our podcast. So I had written this script and I had found that quote from Isaiah. And um, then I was reading um, the book again for um our author visit today from Jennifer Hubbard, and she had also included Isaiah 41 um, in in one of the chapters. So I knew this is the perfect, perfect scripture quote for today's guest. So we are very honored um, and very blessed to have with us today Jennifer Hubbard, Hubbard, who is the author of Finding Sanctuary, How the Wild Work of Peace Restored the Heart of a Sandy Hook Mother. She is the president and executive director of the Catherine Violet Hubbard Animal Sanctuary, which she founded in memory of her daughter who died in the Sandy Hook Elementary School shooting. Hubbard is a national Catholic speaker and retreat leader and is frequently featured in Legatus gatherings. She is also an award-winning writer with Magnificat. She has been a guest on a variety of national television shows, including Today, CBS News and ABC News, and she has been featured on the Catholic News Agency and is a monthly guest on Spirit Morning Radio in Omaha, Nebraska. Hubbard earned her bachelor's degree from Randolph-Macon Women's College and is a member of the Board of Trustees at the Fraser Woods Montessori School. She lives with her son in Sandy Hook, Connecticut. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. And you were just returning from a Legata speaking trip, you were telling me. I was in Nashville. I have spoken to, um, geez, 25 or 26 chapters for Legatus and 
now that the world's opened back up, I am um, on the road and loving it. It's such a great experience in meeting people and seeing parts of the country I otherwise wouldn't. Um, truly, God's grace is overwhelming. Yeah, what a gift to be able to, yeah, again, travel. I know Emily and I just got to go to EWTN a couple of weeks ago, and it was my first plane trip and since the pandemic. So it was it was awesome to have be on those wings again. I know, I know. It really is great. Well, you know, Jennifer, we were really honored to both read your book. Sometimes I get a chance to get halfway through a book of an author, you know, of, of one of our guests and our speakers. But I have to say, you know, we both read your book slowly. Michelle read it twice. She endorsed it. You know, but let's bring our listeners up to speed a little bit. Could you, you know, Michelle did a great job sharing your bio, but could you touch on um, your story and, you know, what inspired you to write Finding Sanctuary? Sure. I, um, Catherine, uh, obviously was uh, one of the first graders who was lost in the shooting at uh, Sandy Hook Elementary. And um, in the years leading up, I mean, really, I, I had this, return to faith uh, when I had kids, when I became a mom. And so my faith was growing and it was growing and it was growing. Um, And when Catherine died, it was this life shattering moment that just cleaved into my, into my world of before and after. Um, And in the years that have passed um, in the past eight years, I've just, I've discovered that um, God really will pull us through um, any sort of trial. I talk about it as an it um, in, in the book that you know, my, my tragedy and my heartbreak and my, my trial um, was burying Catherine. Um, and everyone, all of us, we all have sort of this moment where we get real with our faith. And so finding sanctuary, writing this book was how over the past seven years when I, um, when I wrote the book, how I got real with my faith, faith and the, and the unexpected places where God just met me fully and wholly, uh, despite when I, despite my own uh, understanding and interpretation of how, the Lord would react and it was nothing but love and mercy and a gentle healing that has transformed me to realize that beauty does come from ashes. We, we must not mince what we're promised in the Bible. We are upheld um, with his right hand. There's nothing to fear. Yeah. It was so beautiful how you shared mostly, um, you know, you wrote a lot about your journaling experience and your prayer time and your kitchen table and how you met God there. So can you share a little bit with listeners, like how you started that prayer life and what you found and how you found peace with that kitchen table prayer? Sure. Uh, My prayer life had actually begun to emerge before Catherine died. And as I'm really thinking about, and I've pondered, um, why things unfolded after Catherine died the way they did. I, I think in so many ways, um, I was, I was read, I was being made ready uh, for that moment. Um, and so I would pray, I would, I had a little devotional that I would read and I would give it five or 10 minutes. Um, and it really was my solace before the kids got off the bus and, and <laughs> chaos in a house with two kids under the age of eight. 
um, offers. And so after Catherine died, um, I found that time that that just quiet prayer so appealing. Uh, I was exhausted and and I was looking for a little bit of normalcy in a world that had gone anything but um, normal. And I found myself sitting at the kitchen table um, and, and the books were no longer, you know, five minutes or 10 minutes trying to fit it in before the kids came home from school. It was, it was hours that I would, would sit at the kitchen table and just ponder um, the scripture that was in front of me. It was, it was my resting place, and it it was so. Um, it was just a remarkable, it was a remarkable invitation to the stillness that we're called to. I had, I, I write about it in the book that I had I had always thought about where is my where is my go to when my world goes crazy? Where is my go to going to be? And was it this one this extravagant and totally exotic place where? Um, the, the greatness and the majesty of God could be experienced, a beach at, at sunrise or a Grand Canyon or a cliff overlooking a, a huge crevasse. And for me, um, where I experienced God's majesty was at my kitchen table, um, where when the sun uh, at that time of the morning would hit the perfect right spot, um, the, the light beams would shine through the window and just envelop me as if, I, as if to say to me, I am here, I am real, I am the warmth that's going to help you unthaw from this awful tragedy. Um, and it still, to this day, is, is my go-to place um, where if I'm not at my kitchen table in the morning in a time of prayer or writing um, or capturing those encounters with God or the questions that I have, um, I get off balance. And, and shaken. Well, that's beautiful. And I think one of the things that you did such an amazing job, we're talking about the book Finding Sanctuary, that you did such an amazing job helping me feel like I was at your kitchen table and, you know, seeing those those blessings that took place throughout the book. You know, I recall how even the the surprises, like you said, in the healing, even in, in friendship, the gift of the surprise of, of friendship. Maybe you could share some suggestions of helping those who are grieving. We will all grieve, but yet we, like you said, we want to bring beauty from those ashes. So maybe um, do you have any practical suggestions? Obviously, prayer, scripture, journaling, but maybe just those little lights that you talk about in the book. Uh, you know that I think that for a griever, um, whatever whatever it is that we're grieving, um, the advice that I often give is to be gentle um, and with ourselves, with each other, and with those people that we come in contact with. It's an awkward and clunky experience all around for us going through the valley and for the people that are onlookers, you just don't know what to say. Even I don't know what to say to people. Um, and I think that in giving ourselves a permission to take it very slowly and very gently um, goes a long way in being transparent with friends and crying the ugly cry with the person that you that you walk alongside um, with no expectation just 
taking it a day at a time. It's so it's, it's so hard to do, but when we can set our our sights on what is the next best thing that I can handle and being okay with that, um, we begin the healing process where we're not fighting and, and balking at you know whatever God's got in store for the day. I. There was a day and age where packing a lunchbox would be minimized as, well, this is what I'm expected to do. And I can see now that some days as we're grieving, uh, packing a lunchbox is a huge, it's a huge feat, an act of courage and should be celebrated as such. You know, one of my favorite stories in in your book was the Jacob's Ladder story. And you talked about wrestling with God and this little well, beautiful nugget. Can you share that story? Because it was it was amazing. Well, I had been I'd been journaling and I had been reading and I had locked arms with those people that had walked this earth <laughs> well before my time. And I wanted it. I wanted a piece of that. And so uh, one of the things that I had um, really said and to, to the extent to the point where people would ask me if I was seeing a counselor, if I was on medication, I'd come to, I'd come to a place where I wanted Jacob's ladder. I, I didn't want, I didn't want to take eternity away from Catherine, but I also didn't want to say goodbye. And I wanted, I wanted a ladder. I wanted to be able to go and, and spend time and, and feel Catherine's love in heaven, but I also wanted to experience joy of watching my son grow. And so I wanted this ladder and Jacob had a ladder. So why couldn't I get a ladder? And I, I became really belligerent with, with God because my questions and that which I wanted was not happening in the time that I wanted it to happen. And it was just, it, it got to the point where, I actually wrote in my journal, do you see me? Like, come on, I'm your good and faithful servant. And do you see me? Because you're not talking to me. And I can't see you. I can't feel you. And so I, um, I had gone to the nursery um, for plants, for Catherine's plant church. And um, we were walking around. I had met this new, this new friend um, in the driveway of another friend who she just volunteered to do the planters. And it was one of those acquaint, one of those meetings where you're like, oh gosh, what have I done? <laughs> I've got to hang out with this new friend and I just don't have time for this. But we went, I went to the nursery. We were walking around the aisles um, and we're looking at the plants and she's asking questions about Catherine and do any plants look like Catherine? And um, do, are there any plants that she loved and any plants that you love? And as she was talking, she started mumbling to herself. We had collected a bunch of plants, and she was arranging them as, as they would be in the planters at the cemetery. And she mumbled to herself, uh, you know what this needs? This really needs Jacob's ladder. And I, she, I, I, I'm still, like, I, I've got pinpricks even thinking about this chance encounter with, with this beautiful friend um, and her uttering, a simple ask of, do you know what Jacob's ladder is? And I wanted to just grab her face and say, do I know what Jacob's ladder Do I ever know what Jacob's ladder is? And it was the beginning of an understanding that God sees me. God sees all of us. And God will answer us. 
in, in his time. It, 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 it behooves us and it asks us to wait for his timing because that timing is so perfect and so beautiful and not to be rushed. Well, I just, again, want to thank you for writing because, you know, for us, we did feel like when you read the book, you feel like you're sitting at your kitchen table and you are telling us these stories. I think about, you know, the chapter you wrote about firsts, you know, and, and when you are grieving, the firsts are are the hardest. And, you know, maybe just a, a word of encouragement or, or thought on, on that piece, because it's so simple, right? The firsts, but the firsts mm-hmm. are are also very painful and, and beautiful at the same time. Oh, they're painful. They're awkward. They're clunky. They're messy. They are, uh, they're awful, but do them um, as best, as best you can. There are, there are reasons that we have traditions and we do things uh, with our families, with our friends that mark the celebration of a certain time, whether it's a, it's an official holiday or it's Christmas um, or it's those those quiet um, experiences that we we establish as a family. Those first are so painful. But my fear is that if if you don't at least try as best you can to get through the first, you may not ever go back to them again. Uh, the first Christmas tree that we decorated after Catherine died. It literally had a belly band of ornaments. I think we maybe got 10, 15 up on the tree, and Freddie looked at me, and he goes, I'm good. We're good. I'm done here. And we were. We were done. We were exhausted. But, you know, the tree was up, and there were ornaments on the tree, and it was not picture perfect, um, but it was Christmas, and we had acknowledged it, and we had celebrated it. And I think, if anything, it it assured our hearts that we could still go on. Just because we've lost someone doesn't mean that our life stops. Our life must continue because we have a purpose in the same way that they did. So beautiful. I mean, what a wonderful, you know, everything you wrote was just so touching. And I think one of the beautiful fruits that you shared about at the end was the animal sanctuary and the little typo in the in the obituary. So another fantastic God moment story. So please share that with us and tell us all about this animal sanctuary. <laughs> this animal sanctuary is going to be the death of me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's such a beautiful, um, it is such a beautiful place that honors, it honors Catherine's life. But more importantly, I really do believe that it is a place where God in tangible ways um, facilitates healing. So we wrote the obituary for for Catherine, and it was you know, just I want to get this thing done. And it literally is a fill in the blank um, name, date, where's the service, and and um, so I'm filling it in. And you know, Catherine just adored animals; they were her life and her passion. And so I had said to someone sitting in the room, "Can you give me the address for the um, animal center?" And I left out the word control. Um, and divine divinity right there in the midst of writing an obituary. So there was an animal center. Um, So when they Googled it and they got the address, I got the the address for the animal center of Newtown. Um, It was four women. They rescued cats. They had just started dabbling into rescuing dogs. 
um, they received over $120,000 of donations in Catherine's memory. And they came and they sat down and um, we, had, we had no idea what we had embarked upon. Um, and they, they told us who they were and I'm thinking in my mind, oh my gosh, this is not the pound. And um, they explained that they really felt like a beautiful, a beautiful use of the donations that were given in honor of Catherine would be a sanctuary, a place of healing where children could see their own innate beauty in the eyes of a lamb, a kitten, a dog, a deer, and a place where healing could begin for all creatures. And as they described this beautiful place, um, I saw Catherine because animals were her life and her commitment to care for them was everlasting. She made business cards and said she was gonna run an animal, uh, an animal shelter someday. Um, and so we, we started down this road of building the animal sanctuary and um, the work that we do is, is make sure that we honor the bonds that exist between humans and animals. We believe that if we can um, promote compassion and acceptance, then we create a kinder and gentler world and it's working. We've educated over um, 80,000 children with stewardship programs, teaching them how to care for the environment and the animals that live in it. And uh, we've provided direct care to animals. Just during COVID, we fed um, over 200,000 pet food meals to the, those pets of older adults who were homebound. That's amazing. Yeah. This is such a great, you know, like you said, again, bring beauty comes from ashes and this is an amazing story about the sanctuary. I, I really appreciate you talking about that. Yeah. So can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about the sanctuary and about your writing and about your work? Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So um, Finding Sanctuary, you can be purchased at any Catholic bookstore um, or yeah, all else fails. There's always Amazon. Um, and I am a uh, monthly contributor to Magnificat magazine. And I do speaking across the country. So um, the the sanctuary itself, uh, more information on um, the animal sanctuary can be found at uh, CVH Foundation. So Catherine Violet Hubbard Foundation.org, CVHFoundation.org. Um, and then any sort of speaking request can go right through the sanctuary. Fabulous. And I'm going to leave our listeners with one f- quote from your book because Emily and I both were like, I love this. And it was your last sentence. And she said, you said, storms will gather. And when they do, I will be sheltered in the peace of my Lord God. And in that knowing, I can embrace the here and now, the joys and challenges of today and in today alone, knowing they are preparing me for whatever tomorrow may bring. And in that knowing, I am blessed, blessed abundantly. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining us today. And God bless you and, and your work. Yes, Jennifer, thank, thank you. you. So much. Oh, wow. Such a beautiful journey. And I'm so honored that she would share that with us because I can't imagine as a mother myself being able to to be open and, and share that and my, especially that difficult journey of, of grief and opening up with her, her prayer life. So what a beautiful gift to have her on. It is true. And, you know, I think, Michelle, we live in an age with such information, right? Like we can go and access the news. Our, our, our phones even alert us to, to new news all the time. But to read Finding Sanctuary 
it gives you a really deep, intimate look into the the good, the joy, the hope of that tragedy. So I really can say that this book brought me hope for you know how to embark such difficult matters. And as a mother, nothing was worse than when that news flash came across about Sandy Hook. I mean, I, I can remember where I was sitting and what I was doing and thinking of those families. So to you know speak with Jennifer was more than a privilege. It was just felt like divine providence, didn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we rarely have guests we don't know on our show. But this was a a special um, gift to us to be able to meet her through her writing and to be able to share her her story with everybody. Because I think we're in a, you know, everybody is grieving, especially, you know, in this past year has been exceptionally challenging to many, many families. And I think to understand what families are going through and to be to have that hope in Jesus is such, you know, that is the beauty of our faith, right? The gift of our faith that when you're going through these extremely difficult challenges that we have, we have the answer for to how to get through this. Well, and really with inspired by faith, our emphasis, our focus is so that when those difficult times hit, you're not opening your Bible for the first time. You're not dusting, you know, off your prayer book saying, well, where do I even begin? And I think that that was very beautiful that she highlighted that in the midst of the tragedy, it wasn't step one for her, that she really motherhood is what brought her back to the faith. And so it's just, um, it was really inspiring for me. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had Sonia Corbett. So I brought my Bible. I've really been trying to go deeper. And, and even as she mentioned, you, it, it never stops, right? You don't just get bored with the Bible or say, I know everything. It, you can continue to go deeper in your Catholic prayer life and your Catholic faith. And like we we talked the other day, Emily, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have this sacred church in your house. Like mine is my my kitchen counter is my Grand Central Station. And every morning that is where I am with my Bible and my catechism and my journal. And that's where I start every day. And that is so important to have that that space and that time to start working on your relationship with the Lord. So we want to thank everyone so much for joining us today. You're listening to Inspired by Faith, the program of the Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. I'm Michelle Fanley, and I'm in the studio with Emily Jaminette. And today we were so honored to have Jennifer Hubbard speak with us about hope and peace during times of grief. And we have a little prayer we'd like to to share with you as we um, end here. This is a prayer for hope. And I found this at um, catholicsonline.com. And it goes, here, we, let's pray together. In the Father, and the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, I am your humble servant. I come before you today in need of hope. There are times when I feel helpless. There are times when I feel weak. I pray for hope. I need hope for a better future. I need hope for a better life. I need hope for love and kindness. Some say that the sky is at its darkest just before the light. I pray that this is true for all seems dark. I need your light, Lord, in every way. I pray to be filled with your light from head to toe, to bask in your glory. To know that all is right in the world, as you have planned, as you want it to be. Help me to walk in your light, to live my life in faith and glory. In your name I pray. Amen. 